At this time, unpack several cardboard boxes as the most powerful men in Canada discuss Top Tech. This week, Patents and Innovation. When the iPhone debuted, it was widely criticized for having no buttons slash keys. Now people think the iPhone's design is, quote, obvious. Apple's a copying company anyway, and how can dare they sue someone for copying ideas when, you know, yes. the whole Macintosh graphic user interface is based off Xerox Pack, and they, they stole that from them. They paid for it. <laughs> so yeah. They didn't steal it. They created a whole new thing. But they licensed it. So really what we're finding out here is that, is that the patent system isn't all that broken either. Yeah. <laughs> that, you, that you can still actually license what you need to make an amazing product. Well, of course, that all depends on whether or not the company that you want to license it from, they're willing to license it to you in the first place. And a lot of companies, uh, like especially patent trolls these days, don't want to do that. What they'd rather do is, you know, they take you to court and they sue you over. They don't want to bring attention to the fact that you've patented something that they own. They want to wait until you've made money off of it and then sue you to get retroactive damages for infringing on one of their patents. Or, or at least threaten to sue you and hope that you settle for a large amount of money. I've never heard of one patent troll coming to a company and saying, hey, we noticed that you developed this thing very early on. Uh, you know, it's just kind of coming out to market now and we've seen it. And we want to, you know, license the patent we own to you so you can actually, you know, do this without us having to sue your ass later. Or even a company going out and saying, oh, I I see you're a patent troll uh, and you happen to own a patent we want, so please license this to us. It seems like those things hardly ever, we never hear about those kind of things. Well, yeah, the first one you never hear about for two reasons. One, because if they're a patent troll, they're not doing that by the definition of their name, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. They're to to try and get as much money as possible and not have any interest in any kind of ethics or innovation. And two, that kind of stuff doesn't get publicized, right? Like if you make a quiet deal that's respectful between two companies, you're going to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember who was reporting on it, basically saying that this was the you know death of innovation in the mobile field. That was uh, Andy Notko. Yeah, yeah, and I found that kind of strange. Like he was, this is really terrible for the industry, and and Apple shouldn't have done this, basically, and it's going to destroy innovation. That doesn't stop you from innovating; it just stops you from copying. The whole idea of innovation is coming up with something new and different. How can defending you doing the exact same thing as someone else be innovative? And at the same time, too, I mean, if you make something different and it's terrible, nobody buys it. And yep. therefore, you know that what you made, you might have tried to innovate. Innovation doesn't necessarily mean that you've made something better. It does mean that you've made something different. Innovation, in a way, is, is really more about iteration. You know, it's, it's more about saying that I'm going to continually iterate on something until I actually get to a point where something has gotten better. It's that long process of let's try a whole bunch of different things until stuff starts to stick. It took Apple like about five years worth of, of work to develop the iPhone. This is five years worth of work and Samsung did it in a couple months. So that seems a little bit odd. And the idea that they put forward is that, you know, we, behind the scenes, we had to work on this for a long period of time and, and the public never saw it. And we got to see a lot of that, actually, in the trial with the iPhone prototypes. The idea of, well, the iPhone just exploded onto the scene. No, those things don't always happen. There's a lot of R&D that goes on. There's a lot of taking an idea and then trying to make something tangible out of it, whether that's hardware or software-wise, and then, and then iterating on the tangibility of it until it becomes a product that's worth releasing. But the general user interface and the way that the device is being used... 
was pretty unique when it was released, and that is still true. When the iPhone came out, their thing was, look at our user interface, look at our hardware, look at how completely different it is, yet intuitive it is for someone to poke something on a screen and have stuff happen. I remember having a couple of smartphones and never being particularly satisfied with them and hearing about this Apple smartphone. I remember when I first heard the rumors that it was going to be potentially an all-touch interface, and I was like, how is that possibly going to work? Not to say that when I saw it, I was skeptical. I, I could realize right away, as so many people did, that it was a major new way of interacting with a portable computing device. But I wasn't a visionary that thought, yeah, this is going to be great. This is exactly what we need is we just need a, a piece of glass, basically, that's a touch interface that slides in your pocket with a metal back, and that's going to be the whole phone. I thought that that was kind of silly until I actually saw it. And so did everyone else that was working in the industry. And that kind of brings back to the whole point of the, the innovation idea. There were innovations made in mobile technology, but there was also a lot of building on what had come before. You know, the bottom third or so of, of your device being a keyboard and the top being a screen and using a stylus and the way the interface of the software worked, the fact that getting software on the device was always very painful to suggest that it was less than an epoch moment in history of the technology of portable devices is is downplaying it considerably if you look at the devices that were available and say that the iPhone was just a step that's ridiculous it's it was something completely new and Samsung took from that and I don't necessarily think that that's wrong I think where they were wrong was how blatant they were at not stealing some of the ideas of how you interface with the technology, but blatantly stealing the way the phone looked and behaved. Patents being the big issue in the Samsung versus Apple case, there was a lot of it that was about what's called trade dress, which is just the way that you present your product. So the box that you put it in, the fonts that you use for, for displaying stuff, and those are all separate from patents. Yeah. If you want an example of what trade dress is, walk into any dollar store and look at stuff very briefly and realize that when you look at it closely, it might look like it's made by Vaseline or it's made by Dove or that's, you know, uh, that's a can of, of beef stew or whatever, you know, that made by so-and-so, whatever. But then you get close and you realize that, oh, no, it's dollar special this or it's healing magic that, you know. It's like going in and you buy those toys that look like they're supposed to be they're transmorphers and not transformers, yeah. right? Um, but I everything one... about it looks the same. On that note, there actually was a, uh, an example of that from the same time period of what you could call a copy, but technically and legally wasn't. The GoBots. Yep. <laughs> ah, but my comparison that I'm making, the GoBots were a competing toy line that worked in much the same way. And I had lots of GoBots and lots of Transformers. They worked in the same way. They were a vehicle that turned into a robot, you know, or vice versa. But there was never mistaking one for another. Exactly. But don't forget also that they, the idea of a transforming robot toy could have also been a patented process. There is problems with the patent system and specifically software patents. And I haven't looked over every part of the Apple-Samsung suit. But that some of the things that people are claiming are huge, big problems with it actually didn't occur. For instance, people claiming that the pinch-to-zoom, which has been shown prior art that existed before Apple developed the iPhone, that 
Apple can't possibly patent that and sue that. That actually wasn't something that they won in the Samsung trial. Exactly. That wasn't actually in there. So people make a big deal about these things, but it's actually not what was happening. M- much like the whole idea that this myth of Apple stealing from Xerox Park comes into play. And it's like, oh, well, Apple's a, a, a thieving company from way back, and how dare they defend their intellectual property. Oh my god, Windows 1.0 came out before Macintosh OS 1984 did. This is <laughs> clearly an example of them, a history of them being thieving. Go Google up those screenshots of Windows 1.0 and Mac OS System 1 or whatever it was. The Samsung trial is interesting, I think, less for what it means specifically in the case, but more to start interesting dialogue about innovation and patents in the technology industry and what those what that means and i don't think it's going to lead to any major revision in the patent industry actually someone was talking to me the other day and they said you think that apple winning this big billion dollar lawsuit against samsung is going to make people really want to change the patent system and really fight for it I said, okay, for one thing, a billion dollars isn't actually that much. It turns out Samsung lost three times that in their stock valuation the day after they lost the trial in, 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 in trading. Their, their stock price dropped way more than $3 billion, I believe. So this really cost them $4 billion. <laughs> At least, and it might continue to cost them more and more money because if they can't sell some of their phones or if they have to actually spend money in research and development to build phones that actually have different looking interfaces than... Well, not just that, Johnny. Keep in mind also that we're going to have a that $20 per phone uh, oh. license for the patents passed down to the consumer. That is such BS. And everyone knows that's BS, that if you can't sell a product at a price that your consumers are willing to pay for it, then... Your consumers then... won't pay for it. <laughs> won't pay for it. It's, it's really straightforward. It's not a tax. If you don't want to buy it, you don't buy it and then you don't have to pay that amount and the, the manufacturer is going to have to eat that cost. But the, the point I was making earlier on about this whole idea of uh, reform to the patent industry, well, th- investigating it might lead to more questions and, and development down the road. But you have to think, an American company beating a South Korean company for a billion dollars that proves that in the eyes of the court at least, that the Americans innovated and the Koreans stole. You really think that American politicians are going to take that and say, you know what? This is – the system's broken. We need to fix this and hurt more American companies and help the South Korean companies so that they can they can take ideas from American companies and profit off them. I don't think that that's a takeaway that you should be having from this court case is that it's going to fix our patent system. I want you to picture, you know, independent cell phone agency – and having them show all of the phones in their boxes sitting on the wall. And all these phones now come in white and they come in black. And they all are identical looking boxes. The iPhone box looks like the Samsung Galaxy 3 box, which looks like all these boxes look exactly the same as you go up and down the wall. They're all different products, but they all look exactly the same. Transpose that to walking down a shopping mall Going through the aisles trying to pick out something and everybody has the exact same can, white label with a black word on it that says whatever it is. They're all made by different companies and you only happen to like the one company. I'm looking for the stew that Samsung makes. (laughs) I'm looking for Samsung beef stew. And you walk down there and you pick up a can and you go to put it in your cart and you realize, I just picked up the LG beef stew. So you put it back and you go for the other can. You're like, I just picked up the apple beef stew. And now you have to stand there and stare at all of these cans 
to try to figure out which one of these is which. Finally, you find your Samsung Beef Stew, and it took you way longer than it normally does because you used to be able to tell apart the different products. On the other side, if we look at the idea of software patents, imagine that you went to go use your operating system and somebody put the close button in a completely different spot because one company, and not like the operating system company, a company that makes a certain piece of software uh, said, we're going to patent putting the close button in the upper right-hand corner. Now, everybody has to put theirs in different places. So now everyone starts putting their close buttons in different places, and they start putting their title bars in different places, and they start putting all these things in other places. And that's what makes software patents a huge pain in the butt. And that was the, the case that Samsung was making a lot of times, that all these things were obvious that they were doing. That this was the right way to do it, and Apple happened to do it before Samsung, but Samsung shouldn't be not allowed to do it because Apple had done it first. And so that's the basic argument of why software patents are problematic. There are things that just become useful and automatic, and if you want to innovate, you often want to innovate in different ways. You know, once something works well, you don't want to have to come up with a different way of doing that. You want to come up with okay, what are other things? that aren't working well and how can I innovate to make those work better? And I think the big problem was it looked like Samsung didn't really spend much time on that. All they did is they went through and that one document, oh man, so damning, that went through and listed all the ways that the iPhone and the Samsung user interface was different and ways they can change the Samsung interface to make it more like the iPhone interface. (laughs) That was probably the smoking gun, right? Right there. That... I was but, surprised they actually had to go on with more of the trial at that point. I would have thought they would they would have just said, "Huh, tap out here here you well. go. Here's a check. Please let's put an end to this because yeah. like I can't imagine the jury looking at something like that and thinking, "You know what? No, Samsung's an innovative company that's coming up with their own ideas and some of the ideas are obvious and they couldn't have done anything else." No, they were going through every step with a fine-tooth comb of the Apple interface and saying, their button is over here. Our button is over here. We should put our button where their button is. And when it comes to obvious ideas as well, you really have to understand that every good idea is quote-unquote obvious once you've seen it demonstrated to you. Mm-hmm. And, and also to think that there's an end, that there's never going to be a better way to do something is also a bit small-minded, right? Like mm-hmm. you can say that a switch that goes up and down is the best way to turn a light on and off. We've come up with this. We've got the right amount of resistance so you can push it up and it will stay up, but it won't go up by accident if I knock into it too easily. And, you know, all these little things that, and, you know, people spend a lot of time making a light switch better. Remember when cars used to have throttle controlled by levers? They made that as good as they possibly could. And then someone said, you know what, maybe we should try a foot pedal. And, you know, maybe we should try voice commands. Maybe wait, 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 for throttles? Well, well just, that might have come up, you know. I'm like, what if we could say faster, 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 you know? Oh, oh, God. But I don't mean specifically for that, but I mean there's all sorts of user interface stuff. There, there, there's, there's touch interfaces. There's voice interface. There's, there's physical switches. There's different ways of implementing those that spread off almost into infinity. And to say that this here, Apple just did what was really obvious and there's no other way we can really do this and do it well, that's a bit close-minded. It'll be interesting to see where things go from here in regards to what the courts decide on what can and can't be sold by Samsung and what Windows Mobile and how they've built an interface that looks nothing like an iPhone interface. 
like I say, you go to dollar stores and all sorts of companies seem to be ripping off other companies that are more successful or that are higher grade whatever. You know, they're like, well, here's something that is successful. So why don't I create something that is much like the thing that is successful? Because we already know that that's successful. Why should we spend time? We, all we're interested in doing is making good products. And if that's a good product, why don't we just make a product just like it? There's nothing wrong with that idea. I don't, I don't believe that anyway. But when you take it to such an extreme, then, then we start having problems. And then you have people turn around and say, oh, well, you can't do that. Actually, you know what? If they were actually making good products, I would say that that would be the case. But they don't seem to, at least in Samsung's case, they don't seem to be making a quality product to the same level of standards as the iPhone. Well, see, and I've never used any of the, the Galaxy products that Samsung has made, so I don't know what the quality level is like for those. You could probably see that borne out in terms of how many they've sold. And I, Samsung's sold a lot of phones, but have they sold a lot of Galaxy phones? Well, and I wouldn't even say that, it, that sales numbers matter. Quality does not necessarily match up to sales levels. Do you know what's actually a more useful number is if you look at the resale value of Samsung phones, which is abysmal. Oh, that's, that's a nifty metric, actually. They sell for far less than their contract price. So if you look at a phone, you buy it, Say it's $200 with a two-year contract. And you buy an iPhone and you buy a, a Samsung phone. You can turn around and resell that phone right away. It's locked to a carrier, but it's not actually in contract because you're getting rid of that phone and you're going to have to have something else to use and maybe you had to pay the penalty. Let's forget about what you have to do. But if you wanted to resell that phone, I was just looking at iPhone resale and it's like three $400. So it sells for more than the new price because the person buying it doesn't have to worry about their own contract. Maybe they don't have a hardware upgrade yet. Maybe they are early on the contract and their phone broke or they bought a phone they didn't like and now they're stuck with it and they'd rather have an iPhone. For whatever reason, if they're wanting to buy a locked phone, they will pay more than the retail price with a two or three year contract for an iPhone. The price that you buy a Samsung phone for if you look online is remarkably less. I was looking at a bunch and $200 phones were selling for $75. They were still saying that they were, you know, like new. Hmm. So if you think about that, it sounds like, oh, well, why would you pay more for a phone that costs $200? Well, if you actually think about it, you're paying, you're getting like a $1,000 phone technically, but you're subsidizing it by paying into that contract for two or three years. So buying it for $300 is actually quite a lot less than buying it outright without a contract which is probably actually probably closer to about $800 for an unlocked iPhone, right? 600 actually because I did buy my last phone uh, unlocked. I think the it's closer to 800 if you if you get the biggest one. Yeah. 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 But you're right, it's closer to $600. But still, you know, $300 is quite a lot cheaper than $600. And you don't have the benefit of having it unlocked and use it with any carrier, but you don't have to up your contract again and you have that portability you can leave when your current contract is up and you don't or you don't have to worry about the hardware upgrade costs or whatever or penalties the samsung as i said they do not even sell for the same amount as you would get them which means that the reason people buy them is often because they are cheap phones mm-hmm. they're looking for a cheap phone no one wants to buy a used cheap phone when they can just go to the store and get a cheap phone with their contract there's nobody that's like, I bought an iPhone. You know, I really wish I had bought a Samsung Galaxy. So I'm going to go and buy a Samsung Galaxy for more money than it cost me to buy my iPhone so I can switch it out. Well, but, I 
want an iPhone, but I want to want to spend that much money. <laughs> so I'm going to spend more money for it. So what's happening is, is people are paying less money for Samsungs, and people are just kind of unloading them to try and get rid of them. And they're probably buying these. They're probably the same people buying iPhones for three, four hundred dollars. So what's the takeaway from all this? The takeaway is the patent system for software is probably broken. But that is not what was mostly at argument here. It was blatant copying mostly the way the look of the device and the look of the software was in order to make a copy. And that's what they got punished for. And I don't think that that prevents other companies from being able to innovate. I don't think it's going to actually slow anyone down. I think if you look at the stock Google interface, there's lots of ways that it's completely different than the iPhone interface. I don't think it's going to be any kind of worry. I think it just means that Samsung and other companies who were planning on just copying another company and trying making money off that are hopefully going to think twice about it. And on that bombshell. Thanks for joining us. We are the most powerful men in Canada. We'll see you next time. The most powerful men in Canada would love to hear from you. Please contact us by visiting our website at toptech.com. Dot tiltyhouse.com if you have any comments or if there are any subjects you'd like us to cover in a future show.